Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast for media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar saurians and scalies. I'm your host, Lynn Melanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Math Machine, Striker, and Lucky Eevee. Today is our 20th episode, and we're discussing the 2014 The 7D episode, Grim the Dragon. So, let's get things started. So, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs always has been a very popular movie, but it was even more so in 1937. The amount of like influence and the amount of popularity this movie had during its time cannot be understated. Mae West once quipped that the only movie that made money in 1937 was Snow White. So with such mm. a successful movie, RKO Pictures, who was uh, the distributors of Disney films at the time, wanted mm. to, some kind of a spin-off about the Seven Dwarfs. Now, originally, they were going to make a sequel that was going to be called, no joke, More Snow White. And it was going to be all of the deleted sequences in the original. The part where the dwarves make soup, the part where the prince escapes from, you know, uh, Grimhilda's dungeon. All of that was going to be put into this movie with some kind of a rough framing device. It never happened, mostly because Walt Disney hated sequels. So that was pretty much out the window. Aside from a couple of appearances in wartime shorts, the whole Seven Dwarfs spinoff idea never really happened. They had a couple of comic books. Uh, Dopey was originally going to be the Sorcerer's Apprentice instead of Mickey, and you could tell that because of the Sorcerer's Apprentice outfit that looks very similar to what Dopey wears in Snow White, but instead Walt made it Mickey because he wanted Mickey to have a big role in it. And there almost was, I, I kid you not, a Lord of the Rings, insta- a Lord of the Rings inspired prequel. That would have been about the origins of the Seven Dwarfs and that. We never got that, and it, it was pretty much thrown out of the trash when uh, John Lasseter took, uh, took over the company. So there was pretty much no uh, spinoff about the Seven Dwarfs until 2014 when the show came about. Now, I, I feel like making the show about the dwarfs and not really... Uh, I think like making the show about the dwarfs is a good start because aside from Peter Dinklage... Everybody likes those characters, even in like the 37, most of the glowing reviews mention, you know, the seven dwarves as their favorite character. So it does make sense. Now, the thing that is very unusual about this is that it is apparently a prequel to the movie. And that (laughs) really, yeah, no, no, that really does not fly when you consider how lighthearted and jovial this show is compared to how dark the original Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs movie is. Now, people don't really remember it. They remember, like, the silly song. They remember, you know, I'm wishing. They remember the ending. But Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is a very, very dark movie. It does stuff that Disney, even, like, ten years later, wouldn't even think of touching at at some point. So you can definitely see how the tone of that compared to this show doesn't make sense. It'd be like if... The Amazing World of Gumball was a prequel to Mad Max. That that basically is one of the weirder but best analogies I can give to that. Now, that being yeah. said, this is a pretty cute show in its own right. Uh, it was yep. written by Tom Ruger, who did Animaniacs and Tiny Toon Adventures, so mm-hmm. already off to a good start. 
It also has some pretty solid voice act- acting you know, You got Billy West as Bashful. You got uh, yep. Bill Farmer as Doc. You got uh, Kevin Michael Richardson as Happy. I mean, this they have a really, really good stacked voice cast. And the show really, it, it should work. And I, I like parts of it. But for the most part, this is kind of mediocre to me. I feel it, like yeah. the... It's middle of the yeah, road. Right. Something yeah. the charm ultimately makes it in a, in a way that honestly it it it's comfort food pretty much. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's, yeah. It doesn't do anything too wild. The jokes are pretty cute. It it just has it's basically it does a job for what it does. Also, I am very much surprised. Uh, jumping back to the whole uh, pre prequel to Snow White, it's like. I remember you also saying like Adventure Time was pretty much a uh, prequel to Mad Max, which I'm like, that was a joke. That was a joke. What? That wasn't like official. That was just me, you know, kidding around. But yeah, like yeah, I know. Said, uh, for me, the biggest drawback of this show, more than anything, is the character designs. It you can definitely tell. Getting back to Adventure Time, it's trying to be it based off of those kind of cartoons with the style. But the thing is, I feel like for the Seven Dwarfs, they have such iconic looks that changing it up so radically like this doesn't really work. They have, like, really weird, like, red noses. And, again, this is a prequel, so maybe they were supposed to be younger here, but I don't know. It just doesn't work. And it's not like you can't replicate the art of Snow White on a TV budget because House of Mouse had, you know, the Seven Dwarfs show up many times. And they did a phenomenal job basically copying the 1937 design. Now... Granted, this could have been done as a way to make it uh, different from its source material. Like, basically to say, you know, oh, this is a new take on them. It's our new thing. But in that case, why make it a prequel? That's the only thing that I don't get. But that being said, and that's just my little hang-up here. You know, it, it's my little you know nitpicky thing, and, you know, my apologies for that. I really do enjoy this show, and this episode was pretty fun, too. The uh, cartoony gags, especially uh, early on when they go, when basically the seven doors go back to the uh, queen's uh, castle, a lot of it does remind me of stuff that you would see in Animaniacs and Tiny Toons with Sneezy breaking out into like almost an infomercial about the handkerchief and that. And oh, yeah. I do love the queen's response where, you know, oh, thank you. Now I can finish this juice I spilled because of the dragon outside. <laughs> I love that was a bigger concern than the dragon that is rampaging throughout the kingdom. Like I say, one thing I will not fault this show for is the writing. The writing, especially for a show like this, is really, really sharp and pretty well done. You know, I, I give them credit where credit is due. It is, it, the show yeah. itself might be yeah. 6 out of 10, 5 out of 10, but the writing is like an 8 out of 10. It, yeah, you can tell absolutely. these guys are cartoon legends and they they give a hundred and ten percent no matter what. Yeah, that's absolutely the case here. Yeah, honestly, I would argue the same kind of effort for the most part. Ultimately, uh, went into something like also Mighty Ducks as well. Like to be fair, oh, the, the writing then was a little predictable, so that puts it to a seven rather than an eight. But it's still pretty fun. And honestly, if that's like quote unquote the low point, then it honestly speaks volumes about the show's overall. I also will admit that, like, this particular set of episodes have a lot of uh, stuff that uh, other films in the past have appealed to before. They had Transformation, it had freaking, uh, let's see here, it had Expansion, 
Yeah, it also yeah. had freaking, uh, well, Dragonesses, because, yeah, you know. Yeah, talk about yeah. her right now. So, yeah, the dragon appears very early on, and she has a pretty nice design. It's stylized, but it's a way that it works. Uh, she kind of fits in with the art style, but yet she feels more like a fantasy character compared to some of the other wackier designs that we get to see. The fact yeah. that she has like a horn on the nose, that's another really unique touch, and it works out for her. Despite oh, yeah. this, she's more of a threat than a character, at least at this point. And I, later on, of course, we get to see another side of her, but right now she's more of an obstacle than anything else. And there's one part during this sequence, really for this entire episode, and I don't know why they did it, but it just really uh, annoys me is that the fire and explosion effects they do are like actual photographs of fire and explosions that they like... Uh, oh, yeah. Superimposed. Yeah, superimposed. They like a bitmap it around the animation. And they do that multiple times this episode because, again, dragons, fire, you know. But every time, it really takes me out of it. I, I'm sorry. It's something that really felt like... They did it as a placeholder or to save time before they actually could animate the fire, and they never got around to it. And yeah. it is just kind of jarring, especially when it interacts with the houses. It's not so bad, but later on in the sequence, the uh, dragon breathes fire on Grumpy's clothes, and it burns him off. And that is just, you could tell when it hits him, you could tell it's literally just traced over his body, but it's an actual photograph of fire. Now, it's not like, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants where they cut the live action footage for a joke or like a one off gag. This is throughout the entire episode. And I don't know what they were thinking with it, but it it does not work for me. But again, it's not a deal breaker by any means, but it is definitely something that it's puzzling. It, it's not yeah, a drawback. It's, pretty, it's, just, it's pretty confusing, to say like, the least. Why did you choose to do that? This is but, something uh, I would expect from more of a surrealist comedy or a show like on yeah, Adult like Swim, a cupcake and duck yeah, general yeah. services. Well, yeah, like uh, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force. All the explosions are done with like the same stock effect. But in that show, it makes sense because let's say Aqua Teen Hunger Force is complete surrealism. You know, they can get away with stuff like that. But a more uh, character-driven show like this, it really does stick out. But thankfully, this is not the complaining about fire and explosions effect podcast. This is the fiery discourse <laughs> dragonist podcast. So honestly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> and we're yeah. talk about the dragonesses. Yeah, of both course. Of them. She has a very uh, nice slender design, and it's very reminiscent of Maleficent. And I can yeah. definitely see that with her. Uh, with basically with the shape and the coloring too. And of course, later on, she's shown her cavern is shown to have a uh, brambles outside of it. Now it might be a coincidence, but I took it as being a little sort of a sleeping beauty wink to the audience. I don't know if that was intentional, but I definitely took it in that way. So now yeah. the uh, dwarves have to stop the dragon's nest. So they uh, dress up as firefighters with Dopey doing the whistling noises, which again, another yeah, really good dopey. gag. Yeah, they really. Yeah, honestly, say what you will about the dwarves; they really uh, nail what the character overall is. They did. Yeah, the personality for each character feels good, even for and their voice actors as well. And the voice acting, yeah, is excellent. This feels like they actually watched Snow White, and they got the dynamics down perfectly. You can very easily see 
that this was meant to be a prequel just based on how they interact alone that these guys really went above and beyond to actually take stuff from the original rather than just saying, oh, it's a Snow White show, let's just do our own thing. But no, it feels like they definitely took the 1937 original into consideration when they made this show. And it works out for the best. Now, one funny bit that is a recurring gag in this episode happens mm -hmm. uh, at this moment. Grumpy gets set on fire by the dragoness and she flies away. Of course, it being a cartoon, he's not her at all. He calls for a nurse, and the dwarf nurse shows up, and, I kid you not, she looks exactly like Hello Nurse from Animaniacs. I guarantee that was Tom Ruger doing a, doing a callback. Exactly. Exactly same design, just yes. with, like, dwarf proportions. <laughs> and she shows up several times the episode to give lollipops to basically Grumpy or later on other people that are hurt, and... It's a pretty cute running gag. The last one is a little bit out of place compared to the others, but we'll get to that when it happens. So now, basically, the dragoness flies away, and the evil duo of Grimm and Hildy are watching them. Now, this right there, this, this gave a big thumbs up for me, because Grimm Hildy, of course, is based off of Grimm Hilda, which is the actual name of the evil queen in Snow White. Now, the, the, the fact that the evil queen's name is Grimm Hilda is kind of obscure so the fact they even went above and beyond to that is a really nice touch now Grim and Hill time, uh, please excuse me go ahead sorry. the entire time i thought her name was actually miserable yeah. because i uh, remember from the uh uh castle of illusion game huh, maybe mm, they call that's interesting huh. I do not know that. All I know is that uh, she was called Grimhilda in the script and uh, promotional materials of the 37 original when it came out. Oh. So that's the only reason why I have always taken that as being the thing. That, yeah, I'm going to take that as canon now because like yeah. that was from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Grim and Hildy basically are, to put it in a lack of better terms, are basically the team rocket of the show. They have pretty Absolutely. much the same dynamics with, you know, Hildy being the schemer and being the intellectual one, and Grimm is more of the uh, pre-spirited and slightly goofy one. No yeah. way I like Hildy. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like... Hildy has a great SD. design, I will admit. They, they both do. The only way they would be complete is if they had, a, like, a Meowth or something like that. Yeah, yeah, oh like, like goodness, a yes. familiar. Like, like a cat familiar. I'm surprised they didn't do that either, because... <laughs> yeah. just, 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 just to complete the reference, but... Maybe that does happen in a later episode. I wouldn't know. So, yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, what basically, what happens is uh, Grim and Hildy uh, decide to go to Ye Old Pet Shop, which, again, is <laughs> funny. And they at Hildy asks for a dragon. And this is probably my favorite joke of the episode. It actually made me laugh out loud that the pet shop owner turns around, he comes back, and it's like a lizard with, like, tiny paper taped on wings. Dad that Cooper. was just a reveal. Dad Cooper. I love it. It's just so tiny, and it's like there's a little noise. Oh, la, 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 la. It is just so funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Adorable. I don't know why that made me laugh, but it's it, just something that oh, I feel like the I feel like not so much the subversion, but the way that they just cut to it randomly. It just works out so well. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it also reminds. Other... Yeah. It also yeah, reminds yeah. me of Ted Cooper from Gallivant, and oh, oh man. Right, right. Any of you have seen that show, oh, you'll know how funny it is. Yeah, yeah. So basically oh, what happens man. is, uh, of course, they leave in a huff. Uh, Grimm gets covered in leeches, which 
Um, it was a pretty cute gag, but I feel like they could have executed it a little better. If Honestly, maybe a little better. Again, they only have 11 minutes. This is not like a... This has like more time than, say, an Animaniac segment would have, but it still isn't enough to do like a whole 22 minutes. So I can see why they had to do cuts at some points, but how I would have done it, I would have like cut from, you know, Hildy and the shop owner back to him with the leeches several times. This is like a little back and forth thing. Oh, yeah. But again, they only had a limited time, so I can see why they wouldn't want to waste it on such a tiny, short part of it. So basically... Oh, uh, yeah, Absolutely. I could so now we get mean. to the title part of the episode where Hildy decides to turn Grimm into a dragon. Seamus <laughs> the other way around because then we'd have a lot more to talk about in the episode. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, I, I was waiting for that. Because honestly, it made sense for what they were ultimately going for with the episode. And I can 100% yeah, no, respect that. No, I can that. understand it perfectly. Yeah, I understand too. They wanted you know more of a comical thing. So in this case, it works. Now, the actual transformation is done with a puff of smoke off screen, which, again, I'm not comparing apples and oranges here because comparing, uh, you know, made for, made, comparing a TV cartoon that probably had a third of the budget that the 1937 did was, is, you know, completely ridiculous. However, Absolutely. It, is, it is worth pointing out that the original Snow White has a truly horrific and really drawn out transformation sequence when oh the evil God. queen turns into the uh, old hag design. That stuff is scarier. And I say this with all due respect, that is actually scarier than what like the universal monsters were putting out for the most part. That is a legit horror movie sequence. Oh yeah. Right it kind of was. And, I should know when I was growing up, that sequence terrified me. Yeah, I probably do a lot of kids too. I did not watch Snow White uh, when it came when I was like a little, for the most part. But yeah. I can kind of understand why it would be a little creepy. Yeah, like, even definitely though definitely. I am metal AF and don't one hundred percent find that creepy. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, I understand. I understand. I mean, growing up, I watched a lot of hor- uh, a little uh, those uh, scary kids shows. So of uh, so like. Yeah, I'm one, I wonder why I'm not. I'm not really. A, no, no, we understand. We I, get it. We get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking to a guy who walked, who uh, was brave through freaking uh, Bald Mountain. Uh, yeah. Freaking. Uh, same, uh, same. Right Bald Mountain never. Bald Mountain and all that never actually scared me. Fantasia. I think it was more. Yeah. Fantasia never really scared me either. Funny how. Uh, funny how I never actually watched Fantasia when I was a kid. Yeah, I only did. had Fantasia 2000. Yeah. I had both. Yeah. Oh, so, so anyway, uh, uh, finally... Yeah, back to this. Yeah, exactly. Back to this. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. But yeah, getting okay. back to this is that uh, Grimm's design as a dragon is completely ridiculous, like uh, almost like, you know, a toddler way. And it's it's intentional, and it's it looks silly, but it's silly in the right way. Like, you know, he oh, looks yeah. like a cartoon caricature compared to the actual dragon, which is more of a... Stylized yet still notably medieval fantasy dragoness, and the fact that the yeah the fact that the villagers are actually scared by Grimm's attempts at being a dragon, which is just like him running around going like I'm a dragon, bitch! I'm a dragon. It's like the fact that they're still scared. That's another, and of course the his voice actor does a fantastic job with it too, and. 
And, and like I said, that is another sequence that is definitely a classic type of a comedy gag that, again, reminds me a lot of the earlier work, like something that you would see, for example, in Tiny Toons or in Animaniacs or, you know, Pinky in the Brain or several of the other shows he worked on. So, yeah, what yep. happens is that um, the dwarves are analyzing this pearl that they found, which is foreshadowing for later. Until they are called oh, yeah. by the evil queen, by the queen, not the evil queen. That not happens the evil queen. way no, no, no. later, way later in the franchise. Misspoke, sorry about that. But yeah, they kind of reuse the animation with the dwarves coming out of the hole in the floor. But thankfully, it's so short that you wouldn't really notice it. Oh, and yeah. then they kind of break out into a random song about the handkerchief, which, okay, it, yeah, it is kind of funny, songs. but it also feels a little bit like padding. But with that being said, know, yeah. it is cute. And... I really feel that, again, it does work in a way because, granted, these are the characters that had an entire song in the original movie about totally nonsense stuff. They sing, you know, oh, the yeah. silly song that has the words don't mean anything, and it works for the characters. And the funny thing, too, is that at this point, this is when I noticed that Basho is voiced by Billy West because at this point, he sounds exactly, exactly like his Doug Funny voice for Bashful. It kind of does, actually. It yeah. still works for the character, though. No, it does Never work. It does it. work, but, it, but it's like when I heard that, I it was like at this moment was the moment I noticed. It's like, wait a minute, that's Billy West. He has very really, uh, distinctive voice and he anything he does. And, of course, he is a legend for many reasons. So, yeah, the uh, dwarves are called to defeat the second dragon, and this time they do it with water balloons, which kind of reminds me of Ed and Nettie with their Canadian squirt guns. The Canadian squirt guns! <laughs> <laughs> that, that, oh, that's, yeah. I love with that the, one, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. that episode was pretty fun. I also remember, like, the space one where... Uh... Yeah, yeah, they they want to see the robot Rebel Ranch movie, but they go to the junkyard and they pretend that robots are attacking them and stuff. That was another good one. But anyway, getting back to this, is that the dragon comes back and thinks that Grimm is her child. So basically, you could make the argument this is the Disney version of Gorgo. Ooh. But, yeah, but yeah, that like could I be said, interesting. Uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, the one thing I do have a little bit of a problem with the show is the pacing. Because I feel like because of the 11-minute time limit, it really feels like they're just rushing it. Like they're trying to speed it through. They're trying to get it done as quick as possible. Honestly, it does feel like that sometimes with the show, as I've noticed with other episodes. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't really watched too many episodes of it, but I'll take your word for it. I'm halfway through the first season, and oh, I wow. can honestly... Yeah, I, I started it because I got a little curious, and again, the charm ultimately sort of won me over. It's a comfort. It's a comfort watch for a good reason, but yeah. Ultimately, I, uh, I I'm probably gonna stick through it for probably a little bit. I don't know, but either way, I, I do. In fact, yeah. But either yeah. way, I will admit this is definitely an oh, interesting a little bit watch. of a rushed show. Yeah, so yeah, it's a little bit of a to... rushed show to say the least. Yeah. So when they actually uh, go into the uh, cavern. We get to see more of the Mother Dragon as a character. And again, it's kind of generic. It's kind of stock. But again, they only had an 11-minute time slot. So they probably had to do what they could with it. But you still feel like she is a good character despite everything. 
you still feel, even though she is like a generic, you know, female dragonish, you know, with her hatchling and that. And the fire. Done, yeah, and fire, of course. It is still done in a way that she feels like, if not a character, at least you feel like she has the potential to be a character. She's never shown up after this episode. This is her only appearance, which is why we're talking about it. But yeah. I definitely feel like they left the door open to have the character appear again in the future. And the fact that they didn't is kind a of a shame. Sad, yeah. I can I see why they did that. Her, her character. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly potential that. there. I mean, exactly, exactly. They could have done a little more with their character, I but, will admit. But honestly, for what it uh, did, is she is fine. Yeah, yeah. For what they yeah, she did, is pretty good. Yeah, for what they had, it, it's good enough. Let's do this way: it's not. It she's not going to be like the top of the you know dragonist scale or anything. But the for what it is, yeah. she's still a very well done character, in my opinion. Yep. Now. And now, of course, uh, Hildy tries to go and save Grimm from being captured by the, the mother dragon, the dragoness. And mm. she's swatted outside into the brambles. And one gag that I liked is that the nurse suddenly appears for her as well. And I was not expecting that the first time. And it got a pretty big chuckle out of me. Just, mm, you know, yeah. that the fact that they kept up the running gag did not just be with Grumpy, but with the other characters as well. And with the lollipop flavor changing from, you know, what was it, like a blueberry to rhubarb or whatever. Yeah, poisonberry, oh, yeah, which I initially heard was like yeah. poisonberry, which like, yeah. Grumpy uh, Grumpy likes freaking uh, stuff that's pretty dang rank, all things considered. Yeah. So, oh, I, and so seeing this, I'm like, is this guy part ogre or something? Is there something we're not telling us, telling that show? Well, if uh, Shrek the Musical is to believe, there is uh, another character that is related to Grumpy, but we will get to that another time. So, the pearl that the dwarves find, of course, turned out to be a dragon egg. So, it's basically the same twist as that one episode of Spongebob with uh, Clamu the giant oyster. Uh. Hey, let's throw peanuts at him and see how he likes it! I get what I deserve. Oh, that's a classic one. Oh, I love that one. (laughs) You guys are good. I was looking for me the whole time. It's the perfect crime. It's the perfect crime. (laughs) Oh, God. That's a really great impression right there. Wow. You're you're welcome. Because I I practice my voices a lot, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. I mean, uh, some voices I'm pretty much a natural at, and there are others I'm like, hmm, I need a little work. Who knows? Yeah. But anyways, everyone knows that. But yeah, getting back to this. So Hildy disguised herself as you know little Bo Peep and says she lost her dragon, which of course Grumpy does not buy for a second, but the other dwarfs do. Which again, pretty cute gag. But then what about just... sheep? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, oh, and then she's like saying like, "What about? I thought it was sheep. Sheep are very needy." <laughs> yeah, like that. Needy. that was a good camera for that. Like, wow, is there something you're not telling us? Yeah, yeah, like he, he looked, yeah, like the breaking the fourth wall again is another pretty well done thing. Then the show does something I was not expecting, and upon first viewing, kind of really left me a little confused in a way. It switches to this like format where the dwarves are talking directly to the camera about the various plans they did to get the, you know, egg slash the baby dragon back to the dragoness. It's almost done like a family guy cutaway in terms of like how they do it with the style. 
but yet it's I... actually them telling part of the episode, which I'm not opposed to. Granted, I, I really feel like it works, but when I first saw this, I was so confused because that came completely out of nowhere. It, yeah. it does it in other episodes as well, but it just it feels like the it isn't paced very well when they do it. Yeah, yeah. For the it's most like, part. It's like, oh, well, we, the episode's wrapping up. It's time to do that uh, segment again, which I feel like it could have worked if they did it, like, throughout the actual episode. Like, if they continuously called back to it, because then it wouldn't feel so out of place, because this is the first episode of this show I've ever watched was Grim the Dragon. And when mm. this part came up, I was just, I didn't know what to think of this part. I had to actually pause the video and basically stop and say, what, what is this? Yeah, I pretty much, uh, I pretty much approached this starting at the first episode. So go, uh, so I was basically uh, starting with the essentials going in. So I oh, yeah. was not too yeah. surprised that, that yeah, probably... I was surprised you were surprised though. So that was <laughs> certainly <laughs> interesting. Uh, yeah. 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 So yeah, the dwarf's plans are basically to get uh, captured by the dragon and have, and have Happy sing a lullaby to have it to go to sleep. And it oh. does work, but then of course the dragon wakes up and they just give the dragon back her baby. And okay, you, you want to know something weird? You want to know yep. something else about that particular moment? Like, yep. I, I was watching it, but then all of a sudden, uh, like, as they're running away from the freaking dragon, Happy the whole time is just like... <laughs> Yeah, he has like a giant smile on his face, which again, it, it does work. It works. Yeah, it very much works, but like, Jesus, Happy, you are getting chased by a goddamn dragon, and you are currently like, oh my gosh, my guy, you are yeah, not very you are not well. Not really into self preservation. Let's uh, put it that way. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah let's is, put it uh, that freaking way. He's kind of yeah. bent at times, I swear. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So yeah, what happens is that the uh, dragon quickly wakes up and they just give her back uh, her baby. And Grim turns back into a human because the transformation only worked until the sunset, which probably wasn't that long, all things considered, when they started it. They started it like midday, so didn't even give themselves that much time for the scheme. But regard, that's why they're the ineffectual bad guys. So, exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Grim and Hildy are basically knocked by the Mother Dragoness back into the mountains where they live. And it ends with the Mother Dragon becoming friends of the dwarves, then basically having a barbecue of hamburgers. Yeah, that's awesome. I want that. (laughs) Again, which feels like they were setting her up to make another appearance, but they never really did. And the joke the episode ends on is kind of off place because it ends, you know, with a grumpy calling for the nurse and she shows up and then all the other dwarves call for the nurse because they want the same flavor of lollipop that he has. Now, I under- yeah, yeah, it's Hasarilla, thank you. But yeah, what happens is that it just feels like it was done for the sake of continuing the running gag. It didn't really feel like an organic way to end it. Now, granted, of course, of course, I've said it a million times, but they had a short time limit of 11 minutes. You can only do so much. I feel mm. like you still could have found a way to include that gag as the final joke of the episode and not have it come kind of out of nowhere. Absolutely. They, they did build it up, but I felt like this particular instance of it was a little bit out of place. Yeah. So, that is true. 
So, yeah, I guess uh, after this show, what happens is that Grimhilda took over Jollywood, basically made it into her dystopia rule, and banished the seven dwarves <laughs> to live in their cottage in the middle of the woods. It's canon. This is a prequel to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. So Honestly, I can't yeah. say it didn't happen. Uh, okay, firstly, spoilers. <laughs> Holy <Yeah>. fuck. <laughs> Secondly. I meant that as a joke. I meant that as a joke. I don't think that it's actually implied what happened. But I'm just saying, oh, if this is our prequel to Snow White, that's probably what happened off screen. They probably didn't think about it while making it, but it's just something to point out that's pretty funny. Oh, but dear. yeah. This show lasted for 44 episodes, which I thought Disney shows always landed for, uh, ran for 52. Uh, I guess they mm. didn't get a third season or something, but it seems like nowadays the show is kind of forgotten. It never really got like a, a fan base or even like a following at all. Honestly, it, it, yeah, it didn't. I, I remember. Yeah. That seems like the show. And for the most part, I see why. It. I understand why for the most yeah, part. It, again, yeah. it's a comfortable show. It's not perfect. It's not groundbreaking like it's they have Falls, yeah. versus Force of Evil, anything like that. It's comfort it, food, yeah, above yeah. All else is a show that was meant to be like. A like little thing. It wasn't meant to be like a big uh, world spanning, you know, uh, Thing. It was meant to be a little uh, novelty show. And in that respect, excuse me, in that respect, I feel like it really worked out for the best. That this show is the, it could have probably been a little bit better, but for the most part, I feel like it actually does work um, as a spinoff to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. as a show for like uh, kids to watch about the uh, Seven Dwarfs. And basically just as a light, fun, breezy cartoon in general, that's what it is. It feels like you could have put this on Disney Channel in the mid-2000s, and it would have fit in perfectly there. I think what hurt the show the most is, at least here in America, it primarily aired on the Disney Junior blocks. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of a bit more what it's geared towards. So that yeah, probably right. stops any audience right. Yeah, I see it. what you mean. I can see that, but on the other hand, it... I can see that, but yet the, at the same time, it feels like that's doing it a little bit of a disservice. I feel like it was trying to aim for a little older audience than than like the Disney Junior crowd, and it might have been just Disney not knowing how to promote this show at all. So they just like were completely unaware of what to do with this. So they just dropped it off at their yeah. uh, the first thing they saw, and that's what happened with the show. But I feel Over like here. it. Yeah, it probably. Over here should've... in the U.S., it was on Disney XD actually. Mm, oh, that's even worse because Disney XD it was the channel that they kind of put all the stuff that they don't feel is good enough for Disney Channel. At least at first. Let I, one thing I will always say with Disney XD that it's so crazy the type of programming they had. They had a show on Disney XD called Player Select that was thoroughly. Just like let's plays from YouTube of like Markiplier of Jack Jacksepticeye. That show yeah, was the, awful. They, they censored yeah. it. They, they censored all the profanity and they added weird editing and weird like visual effects. And it is completely incomprehensible. It's like, why Some would you editing, do that? Why would yeah. you? The editing was horrible. Like 
It's not even funny at times. Like it's just yeah. why the like, fuck seriously? Would you do that? They did a skit with the. Oh wait, no, never mind. That was a different show. I was gonna no, say the no, goat no. show, but that was something yeah. way different. No. It, but still, it definitely is weird that that's sure the thing for me anyway. Why Disney XD didn't really work because they tried to make a TV show of something that you could go on YouTube, you could see the complete original, uncut, uncensored original for free, and they put it on behind their cable service. And that alone is kind of why Disney XD is was Dead definitely a very strange TV channel. Yeah, it was strange. Oh, yeah. It definitely had a lot, lot of interesting show ideas. Yep. Some of which deserved it, others a Not little so less much. so. No, exactly. So now it is time for the uh, question of the episode, which is, uh, what is your favorite cartoon based off of an animated movie? And I'm going to go first, and I'm probably going to get the big one out of the way, is the Aladdin show. Now, mm. the, granted, the animation, of course, isn't as good as a theatrical original or anything, but I feel like as a continuation of the show, as a, you know, basically an adventure cartoon in its own right, you had uh, Dan Casanella, a.k.a. the voice of Homer Simpson as the genie, and mm. he does a decent enough job. I mean, he he's no Ron Williams, who is, but uh, he does yeah. a very good job. And the characters and the villains that they introduce, you have, of course, the holdovers from The Return of Jafar, but yet they also, I feel... They went all out with the uh, types of villains that they depict on the show and the uh, types of characters. They, you can tell that the creative team for this show, more than any other uh, spinoff of it for Disney, they, you can tell the creative team for this were told basically just to go wild and do whatever they wanted. And yeah. it works. It works in their favor because I feel like the Aladdin show is a more than worthy continuation of the franchise. And of course, even in Return of Jafar, uh, not Return of Jafar, sorry, in uh, Aladdin and the Prince of Thieves, they actually call back to the TV show. So it's not something that they did just to like throw together a show for the network. They actually meant it as a continuation of the film franchise. And it succeeds on that front. It succeeds on the front of being a pretty good uh, show in its own right. The animation can be hit or miss. It depends, I think, on what studio animated what episode. But for the most part, it does look really good. And that mm. is probably going to be my pick for uh, my uh, favorite cartoon based on an animated movie. And, Grom, what would you have to say? That is going to be a tough one because, I'll be honest, there are not a whole lot of uh, shows that I've seen based off of movies. But... The one that ultimately does ultimately uh, come to mind uh, is uh, The Lion Guard. Oh, I nice. really enjoyed that one because it was one of the few shows that could ultimately like stand its own alongside Gravity Falls even and like ultimately have you hooked for the most part. It's, it's still for the most part kidified. There are some moments where the pacing feels a little iffy. But holy heck, did they really did they really do uh, great with this one? I uh, enjoyed the characters. Some of the songs were very interesting. Uh, I still have yet to complete it, but uh, it's a very very fun uh, it's a very fun show. I recommend you take a look at it. And yeah, 
definitely will have to do that. Uh, math machine? I could cheat and say Gargoyles again because technically the movie started it, but that was more of a, a movie pilot for the series rather than an actual movie. Uh, my genuine pick is Rapunzel's Tangled Adventures or Rapunzel the series, depending on which oh, season yeah, you're in. I was going to say that. I was oh, going to say that, actually. Yeah, that, was, that was a that's really, right. really I... good series. Love the storybook animation style to it. Had some beautiful. genuinely great songs mm-hmm. in it. Just an all-around great three-season show. Yeah, I'm actually going to change it to that one because I love Lion Guard. It's fun, mm-hmm. but like compared to but compared to Tangled the series, it stood no chance all all things considered. Like you can look at shows like Madagascar, A Little Wild and whatnot to uh, ultimately uh, say, "Okay, those are pretty good," but Tangled was ultimately where things got really interesting to say the least. Yeah. But yeah, that that's going to be my pick. Yeah, no, I I definitely can see that. So, uh, Striker, what would you have to say? Well, I was thinking about uh, this one movie last week, Hercules, with uh, From Zero to Hero. But then, but then I thought of another one when I meant when I thought of that, The Emperor's Mm. New School. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Oh yeah, I do in fact remember that one. I well, vaguely remember it. I was kind of not watching stuff like Disney Channel then, and I don't even think it aired that much here because uh, Disney Channel was airing kind of just a couple of shows at that point, kind of on a loop. But from what I do remember seeing, it was pretty funny. It was, you know, the same uh, humor as the show. I, I remember um, most of the cast uh, reprising their roles for the uh, for the show. Except That's for David, awesome. except for David Spade, though. Yeah, probably he was too yeah. big to get. But the fact that yeah. mostly everyone else is a big, big plus. Absolutely. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I actually just remembered. Yes. Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Believe oh yeah, it? the Clone Ooh. Wars. Yes, yes. It started as a legit movie. It was shown in yep. theaters and everything. I remember that the movie was mid. The movie was, yeah, the movie, the movie was all right. Was, it was a good starting point, yeah. but good lord, did the show pick up from there? And oh, it was the amazing. Show, they went all out for the show. It, yeah. The only thing ultimately making me feel a little iffy was uh, the fact that the other shows after it uh, kind of went downward to the point where Star Wars Resistance ultimately does not have a whole lot of bookmarks to its name. Like I. I compare that to freaking uh, the Bad Batch and the Clone Wars, and you pretty much got a series that, yeah. But yeah, Clone Wars, yeah, I'm going to do that pick to not only be original, but also because, again, it was based off a movie, so it counts. Yeah, no, that definitely, definitely counts. So, uh, Lucky Evie, what would you have to say? I'm going to be the most original and, and not pick a Disney show. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Okay, technically Star Wars isn't Disney, but it is bought by it, Disney, so I'm going to shut up now. It is absolutely Disney. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not yeah, be wrong. No, yeah. no, no. It, it wasn't when it was made, but it is now. Yeah, it was made by Cartoon Network I'd first. Either one of the three Nick ones. So that'd be Jimmy, Back at the Barnyard, and Penguins. 
I kind of want to say Jimmy Neutron because I really because Jimmy Neutron had had easily one of my favorite cow milfs, all things considered. I am not ashamed to say that. Shut up. And I will admit the Penguins did have like a few uh, interesting moments, all things considered. But yeah, Jimmy Neutron, hands down. Yeah, Jimmy Neutron was great too. I remember growing up watching that and like. The premiere episode with when pants attack. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah, I also hilarious. remember the Twonky special. I played the game a little bit when I was at a uh, friend of the family's house, and I also remember uh, seeing a bit of the show for the most part. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, we are gonna, definitely going to talk more about that next week because mm. the topic next week is probably going to bring us more to stuff like with Nickelodeon. But mm. yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot of fu- that. Jimmy Neutron definitely was a real fun show. And what was interesting about it, because it was software that was a uh, pre-made software, they could actually reuse all of the designs from the movie and the show. So you didn't have to make any new renders. What you see on the show are like the exact same like renders and models that were actually used in the theatrical film, which to me is really fascinating. Mm, that is certainly true. So, now it is time for the uh, patent pending uh, Dragonist Scale. We are going to discuss the, I ever listened here as Mother Dragon from the 7D. I am going to give her a kind of low score of 6 out of 10. The reason I'm like doing that is because, again, 11 minute time slot, said it a thousand times, I know, but I feel that you still could have done a little bit more with her. Maybe she could, she could have showed up again. Maybe they could have had her speak and given her a voice. Mm. She has a good design. She has a lot of good potential. And I do feel like you do get somewhat of a character from this appearance. Yeah, for the most part. I feel like for the most part, it's kind of a missed opportunity compared to most anything else. Uh, true. I am going to be a little more generous and give her a 7 out of 10, because, like, okay. she's one of those dragonesses that initially starts, like, all generic, and for the most part, she kind of is, but, like, she's never truly antagonistic. She's just there looking for her kid and just doing what dragons do. It's like hating a shark for being a shark or hating a dog for being... Well, can you guess maybe? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, exactly. I, also, I also really enjoy like the little. I also enjoyed the episode overall, so that gets a little brownie points for that. So I am definitely going to give her a seven out of ten for that reason. Yeah, no, I can definitely understand why. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Striker, what would you have to say? I'm gonna go six as well, cause like I just thought she was okay. You know, they really didn't do much with her, but yeah, it worked for what they did. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I feel like in the confines that they did, with the limitation that they did, they did the best they could. They yes. could have done more, but for what it is, what it stands, it still is a good job. So, uh, Math Machine, what would you have to give her? I'm going to keep this going and say six as well. Mm-hmm. Her design kind of reminds me of a full-grown ember from MLP. I that's actually nice. kind of like the design oh, and the stylization. I that. Yeah, yeah long snout, uh, body proportions, uh, stylization. Honestly, yeah, I couldn't think of that. I didn't think of her that way. That's interesting. So uh, that's why I like her design. What really throws me, and this is, I think, more of the fault of the episode than anything else, mm. the bloody Photoshop fire. 
I cannot yeah. get over that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's definitely distracting. I will I say was, that hands I down. The, I thought the fire was actually kind of funny. Actually, it's a little funny. Yeah, if, if you enjoy it, but it's a little funny. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you enjoy it, I understand why. It's just it not would, my thing. I'm sorry. It would work, though. In my opinion, it would work better in shows like um, uh, what was it? Chowder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like, chowder, like chowder, exactly. cupcake, and dino stuff like that. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. All right. And anyone else? Yeah, Lucky or... Evie. What do you have to say? I have no clue what she even looks like. Okay. Um, we'll just mark you off as a N slash A in that case. No, I better not. No problem. No problem. So, yeah, that is it. Uh, thank you so much for watching. If you have any questions or if you want to send your own performance of the silly song, feel free to email us at fieryDiscourse at Outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash FieryDiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 2001 The Fairly Odd Parents episode, Nighty Night. Until then, take care. Yep, see you tomorrow, y'all. Adios. <laughs> see you so next week. Adios. Peace. Yeah. <clears throat>